You're listening to a podcast from 702. And uh, thank you for staying with us. And uh, we're about to bring you a masterclass. So this is every single Wednesday. We take the second hour of the show and we bring you a masterclass on any given topic. And you're welcome, of course, to uh, suggest and recommend. Maybe there is a particular topic you'd like to hear more on from an expert. And we've done all sorts of uh, topics under the sun over the years. And today the focus is on choral music but particularly choral music in South Africa. So I'd love to know if you belong to a choir or if you did in the past um, and uh, what that did, what the benefits were, what importance it served in your life being in a choir. Maybe you were a conductor or played any other kind of role. What kind of insight can you share with us? Um, so that's all on 011-883-0702-3172 for your SMSs, your voice notes uh, on 072-702-1702. I'd like to think the fact that the SABC included Imizri Lili on their lineup for all those years, that it's a testament of the popularity of choral music in South Africa. Could be mistaken because um, often there's a thinking that modern music may have displaced the love and practice of choral music, but um, I deeply suspect as well that it continues to remain strong within our society. So this afternoon we're showing some love to choral music. 702. Masterclass. Uh, guiding us through this conversation, this hour-long conversation, is Renette uh, Bauer, and she is UJ's award-winning choir conductor. So the UJ Choir, uh, the last I checked, consists of some 60 members, and um, she's the conductor, so she'll guide us through maybe uh, just the basics, the basics and the intricacies, of course, um, from the basics to the intricacies of how a choir works. It was first formed in 2005, and it came out of the Rao Choir. Remember when there was that transition from Rao to UJ? Um, and it's a multicultural mix and it's a representative of all the students at UJ. They're actually drawn from the student body and they don't have to be studying music. They could be in all sorts of disciplines and departments. Just They just have to have a love of music. And the UJ Choir has won numerous awards over the years, international choir competitions, um, and they performed at the World Choral Symposium in Denmark. And they've also caught the attention of a well-known composer, Carl Jenkins. Um, so they have achieved quite a bit over for the years. Renette, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for agreeing to share some of your knowledge this afternoon. Azania, it's wonderful to be on the show. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, first, let's really talk about you because this is a passion of yours and often the sort of success is a testament to the leadership of any structure or any organization. Tell us about your love of choral music and how you got into it. You know, when I was a little girl, I had a really strange perception about myself. I um, I thought I am music. That was very naive <laughs> and maybe a little bit arrogant, but that's how I saw myself because music was so such a big part of my life. And um, I think I could have done a lot of things in music, but somehow the voice just captured my imagination. And I couldn't sing at school. There wasn't, there weren't any choirs around. But I went to Tux and then there I joined the choir and then I was lost forever. So for me, choral singing, choir music is the ultimate form of music because it comes directly from the soul. Hmm. Hmm. 
And, and what is its history before we explore um, its roots and how it's evolved in South Africa? What is just a brief history of how it's, it came about? So maybe um, we should distinguish between traditional music and more formal music mm-hmm. because, I mean, the origins are, of course, completely different. But uh, if we talk about Eurocentric music, Western music as a broad concept, it originated in Europe, of course, and and mostly from the church. Um, singing and church music was always interlinked. So at first, um, the choral music was in unison. And uh, strictly speaking, unison music is not really choral because choral music is at least two parts, two, mm. two, two uh, autonomous parts that are sung together. But anyway, it developed from Gregorian chant, um, you know, that music that the monks sing mm. in the monasteries that we still hear sometimes in uh, especially the Catholic Church. I'm, I'm talking about very long ago, like in 10 centuries ago. And then later here in the 13th, 14th century, the music started becoming more a multi-part, layered, so two parts, sometimes three parts. And in that way, it developed in Europe to a very fine art of uh, choral music in different languages, uh, especially in the Baroque time. It was very complicated. But now everybody sings it. You don't have to be um, a religious person. Uh, although it comes from re- religion, it is not strictly religious anymore. Mm, it's not it had a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, when opera uh, came into being, say, 15th century, 14th, 15th century, they, they became, uh, we, this, they started a growth of secular music where professional singers would sing in opera choruses. And um, that is where the secular part comes from. Right. So today when we do concerts, we do secular and sacred, all demagogue. <laughs> and um, that gives us a lot of variety. Yes. Okay, but that is Eurocentric music. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, you get um, folk music that originates from the people. Uh, the music comes from the soul, the heart, the soil, the blood of the people. Latvian folk music, for instance. American folk music with a barn dance theme, African folk music with a strong pulse of Africa and drums. And that music, although it wasn't, it was mostly community music, it also found its way to the stage in more structured form by, by being sung by choirs now. And that is the wonderful heritage we have in South Africa. Right. But if we, yeah, let's stay with South Africa a moment because Istatamiya, which is also a type of a cappella choral singing, does it fit in at all or, and has it influenced um, how we've innovated or kind of uh, worked in um, uh, bringing up our own and developing our own sound? Yeah, that is more often sung in smaller groups, but it doesn't... Uh, uh, it doesn't take it away that we can do it this that style in bigger groups. Okay. I think our heritage of South African music is so wide and deep and versatile mm-hmm. that we can spend years and years by just tapping into that and still have enough repertoire to perform. I think the secret is to be able to sing the music, the type of music, 
as closely as possible to the way it was intended, be it a composed piece or maybe a traditional piece. Mm. So, for instance, if I sing a Latvian piece, I have to try to to find the real color um, and tone of the Latvian people, of the language of the vowels. I can't use my African vowels to sing Latvian music. You know, we have to do a little bit of research there. Um, yeah, we'll get we'll, well get into know, that a little bit more um, because I also wanted to 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 just understand the technicalities around uh, choral music. I think that's 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 quite fascinating that you say that. Um, but we in South Africa, it has a uh, a missionaries foundation, right? That it came through uh, to the broader population, particularly the uh, the black population, through mission schools. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it is very interesting that we all have our specific sound ideal. And you, if you talk to me, you will find some sound ideal. And if you talk to the other conductor, you'll find a different sound ideal. And although that's um, the root of a lot of possibilities for us, it can also be a reason for a lot of misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Because my idea might differ from somebody else's idea. And it's it's important to understand that we all come from different ideas. So in, in the, the missionaries, they applied a more opera opera style of color uh, in in the music they taught. Uh, and then we get a, a vibrato like full strong color where the Eurocentric sound is not so vibrato like it's more it's more a straight sound. Um, so yeah, that's that's the thing. And then we also get pop music, and that is completely different. That we also sing in choir because remember, choir means a lot of people, a group of people singing together, all singing different parts, and in a structured way. So you can do all types of music in that way. And um, yeah, we all like different things. Yes. So let's look a little bit at the attempts uh, by South African choral music composers to to produce music that is identifiably African. And I suspect that work continues today. And what comes to mind is the works of the late uh, Professor Mzilika Zikumalo and his predecessors and those that have followed or contributed and grown um, the work that, that he um, pe- spearheaded headed um so th- this effort to bring about a distinctly I- uh, african identifiable sort of sound um how has that work gone um yes of course we all know him um and he sadly passed away a while ago mm, this year. i actually got to meet him years ago when i was still a young conductor mm-hmm. And he was monumental in the old mutual mass choir celebrations at the Standard Bank Arena. He did a lot of arrangements. Um, and some of his music is in the Samuro book. Uh, I remember we recorded some a song about a chicken, Kikilikihi, brilliantly done by him. And I think he was a pioneer in actually tr- putting down that music on staff notation. Because remember, most of the traditional songs are passed on from generation to generation by singing it, mm. uh, parents teaching it to their children, and it's not always written down. But he started doing that and also making formal arrangements. And not only that, he also started implementing um, 
the instruments of the orchestra by writing wonderful accompaniments for that. And we can still dig into that repertoire of his. So, yeah, he was one of the firsts to formalize what he had in his mind onto paper so that other people who read it can sing it and perform it. Mm. Well, let's play some music. We'll be peppering our hour together with uh, choral music. Uh, so let's take a listen to some of the music that's been done by the UJ Choir. Here's the first one. is called Gonge and it comes from the album When the Earth Stands Still. Oh, this is so beautiful. Um, so you have recorded music, of course. Can you tell us more about the song Gonge? Yeah, the soloist there is Gabisile Nkosi, mm. such a beautiful soprano voice. Uh, we always give her the, 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 the songs with a light soprano lines she's gorgeous she's part of a small group called breathe um three people singing and they do fantastic words works maybe i should add um that i don't think as a conductor mm. one can excel in everything that you do and for that reason because i come from a eurocentric background i asked people with more knowledge of African music to assist me to really get the African music performed in an authentic way. Mm -hmm. So we were so lucky to have um, the services of Sidumo Nyamazele uh, for many years. Later, Busu um, Nluvo, Sabelu Mtembo, and I think in that way, we ensure that we have authentic performances of all the music that we perform. Mm. And it worked very well. So, yeah, that is one of their works. I can't remember. I think it was, it's, it's still in, uh, when the earth stands still, it must have been either Sabelu or Mbuso's um, arrangement of that. Right. So what voices are you looking for? As you mentioned that Gabsile is a light soprano. Um, just the kind of voices that potentially can make up a choir. No, that's a very clever way you put it, the, the word that you use potentially. Mm -hmm. Because I think that is the secret. Um, if you listen to a voice, you cannot judge it um, at a first glance. Because you must remember that the person comes from a certain sound ideal. And if the sound ideal doesn't correspond with yours, you can't just say, no, no, I don't want that voice. You need to listen more deeply because one can always shape the sound of the voice. There's mm -hmm. always room for improvement. You know, it's like pruning a tree. You, you get the tree and then you have to shape it the way you want it. It's important to find actually the intelligence behind the voice and not only the voice. First, the intelligence behind the voice must be there and then you can shape the voice. So um, in choirs, we always have 
a, a spectrum of uh, high voices and low voices, the soprano being the highest, then the altos, the lower female voice, tenor, bass. And we always, um, in, in Utah choir, we split them, soprano one and two. Now, Gabby is a soprano one. Mm. So for a soprano one, I want people to be able to sing very slenderly. Is that, is that a word? Slenderly? <laughs> Slender? Well, having heard her, top. having heard her, I think I, I can imagine. I, I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a, just a flute-like voice up there, you ask Gabby to sing that note. Mm. Um, so she's the perfect one for that. But when you listen to altos, you want more full-bodied red wine sound. Um, so sometimes when we listen to a voice, we the person can sing low, but the tone there is not so great. Mm. So by when you select a voice, you have to listen to both the range and the tone color. Mm. Um, and tenors must be men who can sing almost like altos. So you have to be, you know, when you listen to them, you have to say, mm, the high note is slightly like an alto, then that's the voice I like. It's different from opera. In opera, the tenors must be quite dramatic and overpowering. Um, you know, if you think of Pavarotti, yeah. that is not the tone that I would like in Ujo Choir. Some other conductors might differ from me, but you know, that's the spice of life, variety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the bass. The bass. Um, so I always fell in love with the basses. All my boyfriends were basses. It really <laughs> does something for me. <laughs> um, the basses, uh, if you think of the choir as a triangle, mm. the basses are there. They are the bottom. They are the formidable part. If you have a poor bass foundation, your choir will not be able to, to glue together to make a well-balanced sound. There are so many technicalities when you work with choirs. You have to think of those little details mm. to tie the voices together. Mm. You must have strong bass and light sopranos. Otherwise, the sound, the tone just falls over. It's like a tree, a palm tree that's top heavy and just falls off, falls mm. over. So you're looking to uh, the, the, that harmony. But just out of curiosity, you were saying alto uh, women and tenor men. But are, are, are we not seeing more of a, a blend or an overlap or change in in this? Because what if I'm a, I'm a woman and yet I have a tenor that is perhaps in its character very male? Yeah, the, um, I was actually thinking a lot about that specific question earlier today because the term alto and tenor and soprano doesn't refer to a gender at all. Mm. It refers to the range mm -hmm. that the voice is at its best. So it's range. So, uh -huh. yeah, it, it refers to, yeah, also we get an, um, viola, it's an alto violin, you know, it's, it's a, just a bigger instrument with a darker sound. Now, that's the same with the alto voice. So I don't like to use altos as tenors because I've seen that it damages the voice if you oh. press it too low. Mm -hmm. But it's just for a, uh, maybe a voice health reason and not any other. Mm -hmm. I have one tenor in my choir who he sings tenor one, and he, he can sing higher than any alto. He's, he's just amazingly agile in the top range. Mm -hmm. And that is what you want. You want this sort of a, like a car that can work from 
petrol or diesel and electricity, you know, that <laughs> mixture. That is what you want. You must be with one leg in the alto and other leg in the tenor. This is the greatest places to have. Mm. Yeah. Let's hear from Lerato, who's called us from Centurion. Hi, Lerato. Hi, Anna. How are you? Good. Welcome, Lerato. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I was actually surprised I actually called him because it, it, this, this topic is very, not close to home, but I'm very familiar with it. My dad was a choir conductor oh. from around the, the general, I think from around the 70s, and he still has the, the, the choir group. Mm. It has shrunk a lot in numbers from when I was much in the 80s when we were younger because choral music was huge and, he dragged us to the events and those old <laughs> mutual Sunday concerts that happened, which was which were a, an enormous event. Can, the candidates from choirs from all over the country would come, mm. and you could just see how people were so involved. I think it was such a big part of the black community. Mm. But what I've realized now is that um, the, mu- the, the the tonality has even changed from the choral music then to one what that which you hear now. When you listen to, when you remember your Milonji choirs, it was the same tone, the same choir as what my dad used to conduct. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like what what I would now call old school because you hear your Soweto, the advent of your Soweto uh, gospel groups, your 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 what the, the group that just went to um, uh, uh, the, the, the kids, yeah, Sorry, the, youth, the youth choir, yeah, the yeah. youth choir. I find that the, the the voice now sounds more. It's almost taken a a bit of an R&B tonality into choral music. That's the way, that's the only way I can describe it because I find that the tone is no longer um, that opera okay. that opera type tone and it's now more that, like I say, an R&B tone. So I just want to find, it was an end of an era because you hardly see like now I think with group, choral groups uh, formulating and, and in the development of, of choral groups that, they're now going that direction okay. as the younger uh, audience comes in or the younger people mm-hmm. they've taken a different tonality so is this an end of an era mm-hmm. or so is it a variation of yes I'll get Renette to respond but who's who's your dad uh, you probably you know conference <laughs> his name is Conference. Okay. And he's been, you never know because obviously um, this is a very particular skill so, just yeah. curious. His choir was called the Lelang Choral, and they were based in Soweto. And they still operate. It's a smaller group, but they used to compete with Yomilonji Kwantu choirs mm. and the likes. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a big it was a big and very competitive. They were very competitive. Okay. And even going to these concert, to the to these old mutual and look when I was young I detested it as I don't <laughs> wanna lie because you were dragged there on the yes. You wanted to do other things and at at, at that age you don't even like the music. You don't even understand what the whole fuss <laughs> is about. But as you grow up and you understand the technicality behind it and yeah, yeah. Just you get the, to appreciate the, the harmonies it. and all of that, it, it really it is a discipline. Absolutely. You know? um, oh, yeah. Lerato, lovely question. Um, thank you very much for the call. Uh, that's Lerato in Centurion. Um, Renette, I'm going to ask that you maybe just mull over that because I've got to take headlines and then we'll get your response and, and answer for Lerato. And more questions, of course, if you've been in uh, quiet or a lover of choral music um, is maybe Lerato's hunch correct? What have you observed? Changes, trends, um, just experiences of having sang in a choir? 702 Masterclass.
And we're back with my guests, an award-winning conductor uh, of uh, UJ, of course, which is an award-winning choir. That's Renette Bauer. And we're talking about choral music this afternoon. And just before the headlines, we heard from Lerato, who shared a question, peculiarity, observation that um, she she's had. And we'll get that answered. But uh, first, let's bring you more music as we continue with our masterclass. And we're back with Renette Bauer. This one is called Oba Award. It comes from the Peace album from uh, UJ, the UJ Choir. Um, so, Renette, I don't know how you stop yourself from crying if maybe you don't. How do you cope <laughs> with all the tears? Because this is so, like, the, the, the voices, the harmonies, and that's, I guess, the power of music are just so moving. Oh, when they get to when it all comes together, it is just yeah. the best thing that can happen to you is to sing in a choir or to listen to it. And mm. so my scary. singing teacher used to say, "The earth stands still, or you become the center of the universe." Mm. And that's why we do it. We're all choir junkies, actually. <laughs> so let's look at. <laughs> The question that Lerato posed a little bit earlier on, because we've had some response as well. Uh, one person saying that she is right. However, their observation is that the choirs that uh, of, um, I'll find the text in a moment. Yes, uh, the, the choirs of the Imizwilili type, you know, that they're still around, but you're likely not to bump into them uh, in urban areas. So this means that we need to, that, that the culture is not singular, it's not, you know, mon, um, homogenous, that it's very diverse. Yeah, that's that's the reason, because of the, they're definitely still there. They are definitely still there. And there's been a question that uh, arose a while ago. Are the competition not really killing the music, the competition oh, element? Yeah. You know, she said she hated going there. It's over and over the same thing, this competition. <laughs> she had to go. It's because maybe sometimes competition gets too hectic and then the music is not so important anymore. Mm. But definitely that style of music is, is, is alive and well. Um, my singers, when they come to me for audition, they, I ask them, uh, did you sing in a choir? And then they say, no, I sang in a choral. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a little bit confused until I learned that actually that is this, this style of music also describes the name. They call it a choral. That's, the, the, yeah, that's a description of the choir. It's a choir. And some people use the word chorus. It's all the choir, but it sometimes have a, a little bit of a reference to the type of music they sing. It is interesting to note, if you take part in the World Choir Games, mm. you you have a choice of 26 different categories to take part in. Now, if you, uh, uh, for instance, say you sing barbershop music, you will definitely not take part in the traditional category. You will go to the barbershop. Mm. Um, and, for instance, UJ won the traditional category of all the choirs in around the world that took part in in that category that is because um they brilliant at at that but they competed against norwegians americans and whatever 
singing traditional music. So that category was specifically designed for traditional music. What is Obawo then and, and Gonge? What, what category? Well, they, um, Obawo is a, a, a traditional music. Okay. Uh, it's a Koza song, but it comes from the church. It's got a sacred mm. origin mm. where Konke is a, is a, is a secular piece. It's, it's Izulu. Mm. And it says everything in me is beautiful. It sounds sacred, but it's actually not. Right. So this would so be. So you can often be misled. Yeah. So what we've the heard is would be under that traditional style. Yes. Okay. Traditional style. Mm-hmm. So if you take part, for instance, in the World Choir Games in the category for traditional, you can sing these songs, but you won't sing both of them because you need to sing something upbeat as well. Right. Otherwise, your program is boring. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's interesting when you uh, when you enter in that category, you don't have to submit sheet music because traditional music is not always written down it's often just uh, passed on from generation to generation and you don't need sheet music because you just learn it orally but if you take part in say sacred music then you have to submit the music and then you better sing what's written there Mm. otherwise you will be um you won't receive good marks because you're not true to the score right so there's more freedom in the tradition you, let's talk about voices oh. for a moment. Oh, yes, you want to finish hmm. something, a thought? No, I just want to say, um, Lerato's question about uh, the different, you, she doesn't hear that type of music anymore. Uh, so the Nluvu Youth Choir that got so much um, publicity lately because they did so well in the competition in America, yeah. they is what you would call a show choir. Mm. Now, that means they sing popular music with dance and lots of costumes is important. Every The whole package of movement is part of the show choir. Mm-hmm. But if you take part in, if you sing sacred music, you don't have to dance or you can just sing and you will be evaluated on only the voices and only the way you sing. Ah. So every choir, type of choir, if I can use a, such a common word like type, every type of choir uh, has different type of repertoire that you sing and you will feel uh, comfortable in a certain type of singing. So, for instance, I'm not so good at the show choir stuff. I like the more the serious choral music. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all choose where we want to sing. Yes, as you said, every, di- every uh, uh, conductor, you know, has their, their, their own preferences so and their own ear and what they deem to be a, a, a choice or quality. But yeah. I want to talk about the voices for a moment because um, what sort of voices are you looking for in terms of quality of voice? You know, who makes it into the choir? Because I think the impression, especially from way before, is that you had to be... You don't have to be a great quality singer, but you also shouldn't be particularly clement standards. Clement is my colleague who sang on the uh, <laughs> on his show recently, and it was just yeah. So, what are you looking for? Someone needs to be able to hold a note. Do they have to have quite an ear, particular ear, to be able to understand harmony and where they need to um, place their voice? What are you looking yeah. for in someone's innate or natural, uh, before we even talk training-wise, um, in their yeah. own natural uh, understanding of their voice? So for me, it's more important to be able to hear properly, or or maybe I should say your, your musical ear should be very, very well developed. Oh. Because... Just hold on a bit. <coughs> Sorry. No if you, if I get you, even if you have a very weak voice or soft voice, I can train your voice. Hmm. 
But if you can't hear, I can't train your ear that much. Not like I can train your voice. Mm-hmm. So, so when I do it in audition, yeah. <coughs> yeah, the ear is more important. And so when I do the audition, I I have a two-part audition. I, I give you a mark for your voice. Mm-hmm. Do I like your voice? Is it a golden voice or not? And And then I also give you a mark for your ear. And I can find out how well you hear by listening to your tuning. The way, do you sing the notes spot on or are you sort of vaguely close to the tune? Mm-hmm. And that is the most important thing. So the combination. I mean, of course, if your voice is so soft that I can hardly hear you, it doesn't make sense to select you because you're not going to make a difference in the choir. You're not going to pull your weight. Okay. So yeah, it's a combination of the, both those things. Uh, let's go to <coughs> Andrew. Let's give you a moment there if you want to maybe grab a, uh, something. Yeah, to... <laughs> yes. Uh, let's go to Andrew in the meantime, calling from Pretoria. Hi, Andrew. Good afternoon, Aza. How are you? Very good. Thanks for the call. I refuse to complain. <laughs> and uh, Renette, thank you so much for the information. Mm. Well, we all grew up in, 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 in choral music and all that. I'm also one of those. But I've got a specific question. It's about my niece. He is six years old. Well, when uh, his father was small, he used to stand next to me when I was leading the choir at church and all that. But today, he's got the ability to, whenever you press a note on the keyboard or even on the the piano, he'll be able to tell you exactly what the note is without having any formal training. And he's only six. six Amazing. Yeah. He is playing... Uh, a jamba, he's playing guitar, he's playing piano. We mm. did not teach him. He taught himself. Now, what I would like to know, do we need to get worried? <laughs> or is it a gift, Aza? I don't know. I mean, he's not like Clement. I'm listening to Clement every day. And yes, yes. Uh, I, uh, I love that brother of ours. But in any rate, do we need to get worried? Or what can we do in order to assist him further? Mm-hmm. Can we even, uh, Renette, do you have an answer to this? Okay. Can you help us? It sounds like he's really talented, Andrew. Um, Renette, any thoughts, you know, this kind of gift being recognized at such a young age at six? Does it suggest that he's already got yeah, a natural gift uh, around this hearing and identification? It's definitely, a gift. Mm-hmm. it's definitely a gift. But it's not always to say that if you have, we call it perfect pitch, meaning, um, you know, there's been movies made about it, but perfect pitch really means that you can actually pinpoint or name and note that you hear, you can say that's a G or that's a C. And it's not uh, common that people can do that. Hmm. So it's a gift and it's wonderful, but it's not necessarily a sign of musicality. It's mostly a sign of um, a musical pitch memory. Hmm. For instance, I always compare it to, if you go to Plascon number 765, you know, this is the exact yellow. You know, it's you have a memory of the color. Hmm. Now you have a memory of the pitch. I also have perfect pitch and I, everybody was so amazed when I was a little girl. I would say that piece, that piece that I heard on the radio, the one in F major, I really like it. And then my dad would say, how do you know it's an F major? Mm-hmm. Then I would say, well, it sounds different than G major. I could hear it's an F. And then he, he would test me and, and I could do it easily. It does fade with age though. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, for in, a, in a young child, it's not so common to see it. And I think it should really be explored and you should, your niece should just take lessons. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have the beginning of a masterful musician here. And a future award-winning conductor. <laughs> yes, Andrew, maybe. <laughs> yes, Andrew, the, thank you very much for your call. I want to end off with some music and I want to play My Lord Has Come. Um, what would you say about that particular song? I know there are lots of songs you've done over the years, but anything to kind of take us into the song? Um, that song was so special because we, when we started with a new choir, we started with that because it had all the, I would say, classical co- uh, musical concepts that we want in music built in there. <laughs> Lovely lines, beautiful climaxes in the music, wonderful unisons. Um, it's composed by a guy called Will Todd. He's a British composer. You can Google him. His music is fantastic. And it's very emotive for me. I, I always want to cry. There's one place where the music is just uh, it's just flowing with emotion. Oh, um, thank you for that warning. Piece, so I hope you enjoy that. Yes. Yeah, just, just hold on tight. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. Listen, Renette, it's been wonderful talking to you about this incredible music discipline. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And actually, after COVID, a long um, silence is wonderful to hear my choir again, even if it's on the radio. Yes, beautiful. That's Renette Bauer, uh, UJ's award-winning choir conductor. So to wrap up this masterclass, here from When the Earth Stands Still is My Lord Has Come.